What is up, B.A. family, and welcome back to season two of the Breathing Air podcast, where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. I'm your host, Mason Bendigo. If y'all are joining us back again from season one, welcome back. I know we had the month of January off, and anyone that is coming in for the first time, thank you. Welcome to the family. We're here to get better, and I'm so excited to have you. Today's guest is the CEO and co-creator of MindSize, which is a mindfulness approach tailored to professional and amateur athletes using the mind to optimize peak physical performance. He was a tennis pro and also Adidas Runners global mindset coach, Christian Straka. Christian has coached multiple top 10 players throughout their tennis career And for the past decade, his focus turned to mindset training for peak performance through evidence-based mindfulness skill development. And he even took this practice into his function as a global mindset coach for the Adidas runners, as well as with his personal and corporate clients. We had an incredible conversation and Christian touches on the three basic things that he thinks are essential to mindfulness and mindfulness practice, not only to enhance physical performance, but also to just be able to concentrate and clear our minds and use this mindfulness in our daily lives. I know that I took a lot from this talk and I hope that y'all get as much value as I felt that I received from Christian. Today's episode is brought to you by Garden Fresh Media. To take the next step in business, media is not just an option, it is a requirement. They do everything from social marketing to design, branding, photography, website design, and all of your content needs. If you guys have checked out my Instagram page, you have seen a lot of work done by Garden Fresh Media. So I definitely recommend them and the work that they can provide for you and your dream and your content that you want to create. You can check them out over at gardenfreshmedia.com for all of your content and business growth needs in a world today where it is so important to have an online presence and to provide good content for your consumers. If you want to know more about Christian, you can find him on his Instagram at straka.la or www.mindsizesports.com. As always, go check us out and stay up to date with our Instagram page at Breathe and Air Podcast, where I love to interact with y'all on a daily basis. If you enjoyed today's episode with Christian Straka, I ask one thing of you, and that is that you share this episode with someone that you think will benefit from it, someone that you think will take action from something that Christian said or that I said and use it to benefit their lives in a positive way way. That is what this is all about. Like I said, if this is your first time, welcome to the journey. We are so happy to have you. And without further ado, Christian Straka. You're in this world of mindset attached to performance, attached to, you know, the way that we live our lives and, and the things that it benefits us with. And there's this quote that you said, along with mind size about mind size your company and says mind size is a new way of doing sports not just adding something new to what you are already doing and i thought that that was pretty profound explain to me what that means to you and kind of what mind size is yeah so um my goal with mind size um was to uh 
kind of circumvent a few problems people have when it comes to developing the mind. So um, the problem is that pretty much every athlete and coach really agrees that your mental ability, um, how you can deal with challenges, how well you can pay attention, um, is of the utmost importance in order for you to be able to perform at your optimal level. And nonetheless, um, people aren't doing it. It's like, why is that? So the reasons why people aren't doing it are, number one, because um, a lot of times they feel like they don't have enough time mm. to do something extra, you know? They're like, I, can, I don't even brush my teeth in the evening. Like, I don't have time to develop my mind another 20 minutes. Like, it's impossible. I can't do it, okay? The other reason is that people have a little bit of fear of the unknown. Like, I don't want to fuck with my mind. Like, you know, I'm on the edge a little bit. Like, it's working. Like, I don't, maybe this is going to make things worse. It's going to uncover some shit. I'm like, I don't want to touch it. <laughs> And the third one is like, people actually might want to. They like, yeah, they believe like this could be good for me, but they don't know how. Like, they're like, what am I going to do? You know, like when I was young, my coaches were always like, you got to focus. And I was like, okay. So my way to focus was like, I was telling myself, you have to focus, you have to focus, you have to focus, which is like the exact opposite of focus. Right, right. <laughs> so these are like three um, uh, main issues of like why people actually don't develop their mind, even though they have the understanding that like, And the belief, they're like, yeah, that would be good for me or that would be good for my students. And with mind size, we try to kind of completely circumvent that, okay? And the first one is that in mind size, the focus is on really teaching the athletes to be able to train in a systematic way these skills, these mental skills that allow them to perform at their optimal performance more often and for longer periods of time. But you don't now take time away from your training anymore to develop the skills to then hopefully uh, use it or that they hopefully just kick in when you're you know, playing tennis or running or playing football. But like you now have a systematic way. You know what to do. You might not be able to do it yet, but you can try to do it. And this act of trying to do the right thing with your mind will is part of the process of repeating it it's like your quarterback you're trying to throw the football that doesn't mean you're throwing it perfectly every time but because you're trying to throw it to a certain spot it doesn't end where it needs to be you make an adjustment that process of like trying to do one thing adjusting to it is the process that is required in order to improve that skill it's exactly the same with the mind um obviously either one is much more complex than that but just to you know explain right. the basic uh, structure of like how this works yeah i i can totally agree with that because as i was in the early stages of trying to learn how to meditate learn how to quiet my mind someone whose mind is you know constantly rolling and and for anyone that's a high achiever or someone that you know, has a lot going on in their mind. It, it feels like a lot of clutter at times. And 
that first step is being able to start, right? And it's not that you're going to get results right away. And I think that's what turns people off. It's like, no, that's not how this works. Like you can't just meditate for a week or whatever and then expect that you may feel a little bit of difference in your life, but this is something that you have to cultivate on a consistent basis. It's just like if I work out for a week, I may feel good at the end of that week, but if I stop working out, you can't expect those results to continue to render results. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whenever you stop doing something that's good for you, it's not going to just continue being good for you. You know, if you get fitter because you have been uh, stretching a lot and doing a lot of yoga and you're more flexible and you do it, you know, three times a week for 30 minutes, like you will feel better and better eventually. Um, if you stop doing yoga, you're going to get stiffer again. I mean, it's not a big <laughs> complex uh, thing to understand. It's the same with the mind, right? Absolutely. Um, however, just to address one thing you mentioned with like calming the mind. Yeah. That's um, where some people get a little bit confused. Like people feel like, ooh, if I meditate, my goal is to calm my mind, right? Or if I'm meditating the right way, my mind is calm. And if my mind is not calm, I'm not meditating or I'm meditating the wrong way. Right. Well, that is uh, one of the big misconceptions in the world when it comes to mindfulness meditation. Whether you are thinking and you have 100 quadrillion thoughts in your mind at the same time racing at lightning speed or you don't have a zip in your mind, it's just a blank, there's nothing to do whether you're meditating or not. Yeah. Okay. When you're, med when you're doing a mindfulness meditation, when you, when you are being mindful, that means you're using certain mental skills. It doesn't mean that you're having certain experiences. Having thoughts or not having thoughts is an experience you can perceive. You can be aware that there are thoughts and you can be aware that there are no thoughts. But thoughts or no thoughts has nothing to do with your ability to notice. Okay? So um, the same thing with people being like, yeah, if I am sitting calm with my eyes closed, I'm meditating. If I'm moving with my eyes open, I'm not meditating. No, it has nothing to do with one another. Like right. you can practice With thoughts and without thoughts, you can practice in stillness and in motion. You can practice for one hour. You can practice for 10 seconds. Okay. The fact is that everybody is practicing all the time. Everybody is using those skills in their lives. You wouldn't be a functioning human being, a healthy functioning human being, if you would not have one of those three mindfulness skills, which is the first skill is your ability to pay attention to whatever you want for any length of time. So you can now pay attention to what I'm saying. So you direct your attention here. Or you can now choose to direct your attention to watching your microphone. So that's an ability you have, right? If you wouldn't have that ability, can you imagine like how difficult it would be to survive, right? And there's people that have that and they have a hard time surviving. Like it's a survival skill. Right. The other ability is the ability to notice in real time what is actually happening. So once you direct your attention somewhere, willingly or not, for a second or an hour, you can notice details. You're aware of what you're noticing. So you might be directing your attention to what I'm saying, and now you are aware that my accent is you know, not American. <laughs> and you might be aware that um, my voice goes up and down. And you might be aware that I'm talking and then there's moments of silence. 
So you're noticing details in real time while it's happening. Or you watch your microphone and you see it has a round shape and it has a certain color and so forth. So noticing details is awareness, clarity. Noticing in real time what is happening within what you're paying attention to. Okay? And then the third skill is um, your ability to be okay with what you're experiencing. To not be like in a fighting relationship with life, so to speak. Right. Okay. And everybody has that too. You're not like, there are certain situations like what just happened that might be like, oh, fuck, <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, that's okay. You're maybe not super cool with that. But um, you also don't have like a big negative reaction to it. It's just like rolled with the punches. So it's a good example of like, oh, yeah, like you're kind of. Um, accepting of what is happening right now and what just happened and your ability to accept what happens allows you now to actually pay attention to what matters for this conversation here. If you would not be able to accept what just happened, which you for sure also have uh, experience in, in certain situations in your life, the result is that you're fighting with what happened or what is happening and it grabs all your attention. And you actually couldn't pay attention to me at all because all of you are paying attention to is like, oh, why did the internet connection not work? And like, oh, I had to move. And like, and you're not actually here anymore. Right. So you have these three skills, obviously. Right. You use those three skills all the time. What you do not do, most of the, I mean, I'm not speaking to you, like just right, people right. who are not practicing this. What yeah. they do not do is they do not use these skills at the same time together on purpose in a systematic way with a, with a training plan. What they do is they use them sporadically when they, you know, life requires them to be active um, unintentionally. So it's like your ability to walk. Most people that are healthy can walk. They can even run. Yeah. But just because you walk all your life and you run sometimes will never result in your ability to be able to run any faster or longer or more effortlessly. It's the exact opposite. Even though you run your whole life and you walk your whole life, the older you get, the slower you will become, the um, harder it will be for you to walk long. But if at any point in time, when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, it doesn't matter, decide. I want to improve my ability to run longer or faster. And you start a 5K training plan or a marathon training plan at the age of 50. No doubt you will be able to run a marathon, but only in the moment when you decide to start to practice the skill of running in a systematic way consistently. Until you start doing that, your ability to run will not improve, even though you have it. And as long as you don't practice these mental skills that everybody has, in a systematic, consistent way, they will not improve. Yeah, it's consistency and and in creating systems. I think not only in your own life, but in anything that you're doing, whether it's fitness or mental mindset. I think creating those systems that actually work for you is a big part of being able to have success in those. Knowing that there is constant struggles within it, but knowing that you're sticking to a process that you've seen results in is that is that kind of where you're getting at there. I mean, um, that's a good way of um, summarizing a certain aspect. And I would say, yeah, 
sure. you know, having systems in place um, is definitely a requirement for certain parts of your life. Um, so systems, you know, I mean, I think the term, right. I'm not a hundred percent familiar with that. That's actually a very um, elaborate, complex term. Like what that means is probably like not exactly what we mean right now with systems. Like it, it gets quite, quite complex when you take a scientific approach. Okay. So when we use the word a systematic approach, that narrows it down very much. Okay. Right. So having systematic approaches to certain things. Okay. Let's be a little bit more specific, just not to get into the realm of what does systems actually mean? Because <laughs> I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure now if we look that up, like <laughs> entail a lot of things. Um, a systematic approach in this uh, case means, okay, you basically make a plan or you get a plan from your coach, you know, and preferably a plan that you just didn't pull out of thin air because for whatever reason you think that's a good plan, but it's based on science. Yeah. It's not based on just somebody's opinion, yours or somebody else's opinion. If the opinion is not based on science and experience and facts, then their opinion is not worth a lot, you know? Right. So, when you have systematic approaches in place that are based on scientific evidence, well, now you are doing something systematically. There's a plan to it. You do it. I do it at this time and this many times and for this period of time and in this way. And you know there's going to be an effect of that. If you don't have a system in place and you might do the same things, there might be actually no uh, benefit that you will be experiencing from it. Right. Give me a little bit of your background when it comes to how you got into this space of, of mindset mixed with performance. Was it something that you saw at, at like benefiting you when you were playing tennis or how did you get into this space? Like what really sparked your interest? Yeah. Well, my, what sparked my interest was my inability to do it. <laughs> my, my, my mind was not uh, serving my best interests. Okay, let's put it that way. So um, my body was able to do many things um, very well if my mind would be not get in its way. Right. Um, so I trained my body very well. I could have done it better, but my body was trained very well. I, um, the, this body had the ability to um, be very coordinated this body was very strong technically very um f very well developed um and when it came so the body could do you know what it needed to do if the mind would not intervene with the abilities now developed uh, with the body's developed abilities but that's what my mind was doing very often. Not all the time, of course. Otherwise, I would have been like a terrible player. But I was not the best I could be. I was not playing at my optimal level that I know I was playing frequently um, often enough. Um, and the reason was always the same. Because I was confused. Because something would upset me. Because I would become anxious. Because I would be uncertain um, because I didn't have the right strategic understanding um, or I had the right strategic understanding, but you know, I wasn't able to pay attention to what I needed to do. So, okay. 
basically was a little bit of a shitstorm for me mentally. Um, not while I was experiencing it, it was normal for me. I didn't know there was any other way to live. But at one point in my life, um, after I stopped playing professionally, I actually then had like a real like challenging episode mentally. I had a nervous breakdown for the first time in my life, not sports related, just, you know, relationship related. Yeah. And that was the first time where I realized like, wow, my mind has a lot of power. It's just has a lot of negative impact on me, but like, it's just my mind. I had enough, uh, perspective that I realized like, it's not the situation that is causing me to have a nervous breakdown. It's my mind causing the nervous breakdown. So that was a key differentiator for me that I was not like blaming it on the situation. It was like, no, the situation is what the situation is. My mind is making it, you know, way worse than it is. Um, that experience was very powerful for me and very important and um, influential in my future development because now realizing so intensely like how much power my mind has, eventually my mind came up with this uh, thought of, wait, like if my mind has this much power over me in a negative way, why can I not do that in a positive way? I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, because I could easily like bring to mind something that's negative and I would feel that right away. Like I can think of, remember something that I haven't done yet and like I become a little anxious immediately. But if I think about something positive, like mm, I don't feel so positive immediately. Why is like the negative thing like so powerful and the positive thing is not just as easily available? That didn't make any sense to me. And that sparked a lot of interest in me in terms of like exploring the mind more. So um, this interest resulted in me talking to people about it and starting to look up things online and stuff like that. And then, you know, once you get into this a little bit, you see like, oh, it's a whole world out there. Like until then I was less like stay with everything away when it comes to like psychology, psychiatry, mindfulness, just stay away from me. You guys don't know all what the fuck you're talking about. Like, you know, I was fully in that package of like, don't mess with my mind. I was in one of those three. Right. Um, so once I realized what potential there is and that it's actually not something that you need to understand, but it's a skill that you have that you can train. No matter how bad the skill is, you can develop it and you can develop that skill to a degree where you would never imagine you could actually get to. Then I was like, well, I want to have that skill or those skills to be more specific. I want those skills. And now I know that I can develop those skills. It's like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put in all my time that I possibly can in developing those skills. I want those skills. I don't want to be a slave of my mind. I want my mind to be able to serve me, my interests, what I like to do. I, when I want to be happy, I want to be able to be happy. If I want to pay attention to the sunset, I want to be able to pay attention to the sunset and not to the email that um, this guy sent to me. Right. Um, so when I started doing that and the div these abilities, these mental skills improved to a degree where I noticed a noticeable change, like a significant difference than it was before i was like this is 
what I want to teach. Like this is so much more powerful than anything else. And it supports anything in any athletic endeavor, in anything in life really, but I'm limiting myself to sports and I've been teaching tennis my whole life in sports and I want to be able to help more people. And I was like, this is like what I have discovered for myself. Many people have discovered it so far already, of course, but there's very few people who have made the connection as to how you can actually implement it into score, sport and benefit your performance. So far, most people have attributed and used these mental skills and developed these skills in order to alleviate suffering. Mm. I become anxious, so I need to work on my mind. You know, I experience depression, so I want to now have interest to develop my mind. Um, I want to be more, a more compassionate human being. I want to develop my mind. But you can use those skills also to be a better runner, basketball player, and a tennis player. So, because very few people have done that, and I have experienced that for myself, that became my entire focus. And of course, um, reducing suffering and being a better human being is not excluded from that. Right. But it's just not the initial focus. Right. I think that like perception switch of the way that we look at mindfulness, like you said, as a way to deter negative things. So we're already thinking of like, this is how I'm going to react towards a negative. I think the word there is react. You're putting yourself in the reactive state of when I feel negative, this is how I'm going to combat it versus what you're saying as this is something that I can actively use to, you know, benefit me in my performance, in my daily life, in my relationships. And I think that perspective change is so huge. You mentioned the sunset there, and I saw your post about this on Instagram, and I think it's really powerful. You can kind of explain what the post was about, but virtually it was, you know, taking in the moment, being actually in the sunset, watching the sunset, like taking in its beauty instead of having your thoughts go somewhere else. I think the big part of that is being present, and that's something that is one of my goals this year, focusing on how do we become present in such a world that is constantly pushing stimulus at us day after day? And you describing mindfulness as not necessarily having to fully calm the mind, but being able to be aware of these thoughts, I think is powerful. So how can we as a society that's constantly being pushed with stimulus and our attention is constantly being grabbed for, how can we be more present in this moment through mindfulness? Well, being present is one of the three skills of mindfulness. Okay. So you can be present and not mindful, but you cannot be mindful without being present, mm. you know, because you can be present right now and you're very present with, I don't want to feel like this. Right. <laughs> I don't want to have thoughts in my mind. I'm present. I'm aware that I have thoughts in my mind. I'm totally in the moment, but I don't want the moment. Okay. So you're in a fighting relationship with the moment. Mm. If you're mindful, well, you are in the moment, but the difference is that you're now not trying to fight with the thoughts that you're having. You're trying to allow the thoughts to be there. Let me clarify also one thing in regards to this calming of the mind. There's a very good reason why there is this misconception of right. calming. You know, people think I have a calm mind if I meditate, which right. is the effect of using these three skills and developing and improving them is that 
there are going to be times when you will experience a calmer mind. But it's like the effect of using the skills, it's not the skill, mm. you know? So it's like um, you're starting, you're um, developing your ability to run better, you're training for a marathon, and now you need to carry the groceries up for um, levels to your apartment. Well, it's going to be more effortless, you know, and you're not out of breath. So you're physically calm and relaxed, but like that has nothing to, it's just the effect of all the training that you're doing it has nothing to do with the training. It has nothing to do with your, you know, running the marathon. Um, so experiencing a calm mind is very rare for people because they don't do anything that could ever cause a calm mind. <laughs> They're doing the exact opposite. Like you're saying, the stimuli Social media, six hours a day, just scrolling mindlessly through Instagram and TikTok and watching one video after another of a human being being so happy and ecstatic about how amazing they are, which has zero to do with reality because they're not actually as happy as they seem to be. Um, it's just they, you know, pretend to be happy or they might be happy for that moment in time and they don't show the moment in time when they're not happy, which is understandable you know but right. it uh, uh it clouds our perception like what we think of other people you know people take pictures of themselves and obviously they edit them a little bit or if they don't edit them they take the best angle of the picture so everybody looks as good as possible on a picture and it's normal like most people don't want to post pictures of themselves where they think they don't look as good right. it's a normal like thing to do But the effect is that now there's only pictures of each individual that are like the best pictures and it's not a representation of how they really look. But when you look at yourself, you don't see yourself only in the best light. You see yourself when you wake up in the morning. You see yourself when you're sick, you know, after you've been drinking one night or whatever. And now you're like, well, those people always look great. It's not even a conscious thought in your mind. It's just like, That's what you're seeing. So you kind of believe that somewhere um, and you see yourself and it's not the same. And now you are starting to see yourself in a worse light than the others. Everybody is like a little bit better than you and you're starting to be worse and it causes you to be sad, of course, you know? So um, I don't even know how I got to that point where I, I just went on a rant. <laughs> what was I talking about? It's very, I think that information is very valuable because I love the quote, comparison is a thief of joy, which is what I think you're talking about there. It's, it's all this constant comparison. Why am I not here? Why am I not doing this? Why is this person doing here? And we're relating it to someone's highlight reel, what they want you to see, not the real reality of the situation, not the real reality of life. That's why I love the medium of podcasting. I think it gives people the opportunity to hear these real conversations and know that, hey, we're all in this together as humans, like these are things that we go through and this is how we can, you know, work through life together, work through this journey together. So in terms of, I'm going to switch a little bit towards the actual physical activity side of things. I think that, you know, with mindfulness, visualization, we hear a lot of these things talked about how it's going to, you know, progress our performance. And I think it's just slowly becoming something that is on the forefront of sports and performance. But Tell me a little bit about the flow state. So this is something I'm very interested in. I saw that it was kind of mentioned on some of your things uh, when it comes to mind size. And it's 
for anyone that's an athlete that's listening to the podcast, I know we have a lot of athletes listening. The flow state, if you've ever been in it, is one of the most beautiful things, right? You can get in the flow state during work. You get into it when you're running out on the field, when you're playing a game. Everything is tunnel vision, right? So it's this beautiful state of mind where everything falls away and you're so locked into the moment. How can we access this flow state more on command than just in situations where our adrenaline's up and we're in these hypersensitive situations? How can we access this flow state more freely? Well, um, the answer, I will elaborate on it, but you can't access it just by the snip of a finger, right. um, but you can definitely learn to access it through training. Okay, that's the short one. It has nothing to do with understanding what I need to do. It has to all to do with training this ability to enter the state. Okay, to, in, in other words, to use certain skills that um, make up a flow state. So a flow state, um, you know, it's a pretty common term by now. But there is a scientist called um, Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi who has actually defined what a flow state is very specifically. And anytime we're using like a term that like, you know, people have certain associations with and it has a certain connotation, it's good to just put up a baseline. It's like, what are we talking about when we mean flow state? Because somebody else might say flow state and they mean right. something completely different. Right. So the flow state, according to Csikszentmihalyi, um, the way he defined it is that there is a set, I think, seven or eight um, skills um, that are presently active simultaneously. All of these seven, let's just say it's seven, it might be eight, um, have to be happening in order for you to be able to enter the flow state or to be in a flow state. Right. And if one of the seven is not happening, then it might be still a state, but it's not a flow state. Okay? Right. So a flow state is a state where you where you just said you're totally locked in to what you're experiencing and your attention is not being drawn to other things okay so that's concentrate it's one subcategory of concentration which is called sustained attention effortless sustained attention is one subcategory within concentration which is one of the skills of mindfulness the next um skill in a flow state that has to be active is you have to be super attuned with what you're experiencing. So you're paying attention to something and now you're not just having your attention on there and you're not getting distracted, but also you're noticing details like you have never noticed before. Like some people feel like they're there in slow motion. Like the, they, they watch the ball and it's so slow, they can see everything. So now you are really present. Okay. That's being in the moment. Yeah. You are tracking in real time a lot of details certain aspects of your current experience that you're able to detect that you normally don't detect the third skill has to be that you are fully you're or another way you're just totally cool there is no fighting with anything that you're experiencing you're not in an antagonistic relationship with anything that you're currently experiencing. You're just allowing everything to be as it is. The fourth uh, one is that you have to be making decisions. If you're not making any decisions, then 
you cannot be in a flow state. The fifth one is that you have to be active and you have to be challenged physically or mentally just above what your like maximum or optimal level of performance is. It's if you're under-challenged, you won't enter the flow state. If you're over-challenged, if it's too difficult, you won't enter the flow state either. Um, and then there's like two more, let's say. Okay. So it's all these different set of skills. And when all of that aligns, okay, then you enter a flow state. Now comes the thing though, right? You might be like, you know, I have entered the flow state when I'm walking. Well, it's not a flow state according to Czech Sent Mihail, but what it is, is a heightened state of mindfulness. Mm. You are, remember the three skills. When you're being mindful, that means you're using your concentration, your clarity, and your coolness. So you're paying attention to something, you're noticing a lot of detail, and you're totally cool with what is happening. So that can, especially through training, but sometimes naturally too, can happen in a moment that these skills jump up. They're at a heightened level. And if you experience that heightened level, it's very pleasant very pleasant to experience that but it's like why is that happening what did i do it's like well you didn't do anything maybe just circumstances aligned you know but you can definitely practice these skills so you're able to experience that more often and then you they're very helpful in order to get in the flow state but in a flow state you have to do other things on top of that you have to be active you have to be making decisions but even if you're not in a flow state these skills can still heighten then you can just be sitting or walking and or listening to me and you're in a very heightened state yes it's 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 a beautiful thing to experience it really is and it seems like a lot that goes into it but like you said those heightened states can be entered through just a few of those and that concentration clarity and coolness of mindfulness there was a study that i saw from a university in taiwan that had to do with cognitive and behavioral function when it comes to racket sports and this has always been something that interested me because um, I've seen a lot of these studies, but virtually it was two groups, 12-week phases for each group. First group did nothing. Second group of 16 kids, I believe, uh, played ping pong, right? Racket, you played playing ping pong for 12 weeks, and all of these kids in these groups had ADHD. So they did 12 weeks with one group, 12 weeks with the other group. Both groups tested out with better motor and behavioral functions improved when they were doing these racket sports. So I thought that was very interesting. And I was wondering if you had any experience with that as far as, you know, how you feel when you play tennis or also just that body-mind connection that is so powerful that I feel like we sometimes, it could be right in plain sight, but we wouldn't really know. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of um, comes back to what I was saying, like at, the, at some point at the, earlier when we were talking, where like everybody has those skills and uses these skills. Okay. Yeah. And for the most part, sporadically and unintentionally. But if you are developing a craft as an athlete or as a doctor or scientist or anything, right. then things change a little bit. So now when you develop, 
you know, racket sports, let's say it was tennis or squash or something, then um, these kids needed to pay attention to certain things, right? Like, for example, in racket sports, there's always a ball involved. So you need to watch the ball. And anytime you don't watch the ball, you're not going to hit the ball, obviously. And you don't need to, you, it's not even enough to just watch the ball like peripherally. You need to actually like really pay attention to the ball, which is your ability to focus, your concentration, your ability to direct your attention somewhere and to keep it there for however long you want. So let's say it's five seconds, 10 seconds each time the ball flies. So now they're developing that skill. Okay, so they're developing the first skill. The second skill, being present, being in the moment. What does that mean? You're tracking in real time what's happening. So they, it's not enough to just watch the ball. We just stick with the ball, right? With, the, uh, with that example. You actually need to watch the ball and pay attention to the trajectory of the ball. So your brain is, ability to, uh, your brain is able to predict what is going to happen to the ball and you know where to run, right? You're not consciously thinking about that. That's like your brain is predicting this outcome. And the only way it can predict that outcome is if it gets sufficient information. And the way the brain gets that information is by tracking the trajectory of the ball and the speed, the velocity of the ball and the spin of the ball. And there might even be wind and so forth, right? So your brain is like, you need to notice those things. And if you don't notice them, um, then your brain will predict something completely wrong and you will like be far away from the ball. It's very common to happen. And then that's how you learn. What you don't need to pay attention to is the color of the ball. If somebody would really pay attention to the color of the ball, like they won't be able to predict, their brain can't predict the right way. So they're developing their clarity also, their ability to be present in the moment, right? Um, and always coolness if you're not trying to be cool with, you know, your ability not be able to predict very well, very frequently and so forth, then it takes your mind away the whole time. So they're also doing that somewhat. They're maybe not doing it just as systematically and intentionally as when you do a dedicated mindfulness practice in the moment, but nonetheless, they are using these skills the whole time. And that's why it's one of the reasons that sports in many ways has this beneficial impact on people because you have to be present you have to be here right now you okay. have to pay attention and you can't be fighting um with what you're what is happening the whole time or you can't pay attention to what's happening so that's where the that's my take on you know kind of analyzing how this could have been uh, where the benefits could have partially come from right. when you break it down like that it makes plenty of sense Christian, where can all the listeners find you and, you know, check out some more of your stuff with MindSize? Well, um, MindSize, you can find on MindSizeSports.com. Um, so if that's interesting for you to develop for yourself as an athlete on any level, you know, if you're a pro athlete, if you're just doing running once a week or something, um, you can go through that program and like you also get like certain practices up front to get a little feel for it. And there's a lot of reading that you can do, um, questions you can ask. And then for people, for coaches, also some people might want to coach that, um, what I'm coaching. So I'm also uh, have developed with my partner uh, a teacher training program to be able to teach that to other athletes within your sport. So 
that's where I would send you. And then, you know, you can find me on Instagram at straka.la um, where I just like post a bunch of stuff here and there. But, you know, really you want to go to Mindsense. Awesome. And I know, I know we have to go here soon, but I have one last thing that you could leave the listeners with. What is the best tool or something that they could use in their everyday lives today to start taking these steps towards mindfulness, something quick and easy that I shouldn't say easy, but something that they can do to start implementing these things in their life, the action. Yeah. So two quick things. One is make a plan. Okay. And um, it doesn't have to be an elaborate plan. Um, small, manageable pieces, okay? Something that's easy to implement. So let's say um, every time you walk the dog for one minute, you will do it, okay? So that's one plan. That's Everybody can do that. And if you don't walk the dog because you don't have a dog, then every time you step in the shower, okay? In case you're showering, <laughs> um, then for the first minute in the shower, okay? You practice it. And then you just need to be able to know what does it mean to practice, okay? So that is where technical knowledge, like some instruction needs to come in. But to not be too, you know, elaborate, let's say, you use these three skills, so you direct your attention to anything you like. You're standing in the shower and you direct your attention to something you like. So let's just say you like the feeling of the water on your skin. So you direct your attention to the feeling. And then you use the second skill also at the same time, which is you want to notice where do you feel the pleasant feeling? Like, is it on your back? Is it on your arm? Is it in different places? So now you're present. You're in the moment and you're noticing details. And then you're using your third skill, coolness, um, by allowing just anything to happen. Maybe your mind is pulling you away and your mind is active, right? And you're paying attention to that and you have a hard time paying attention to the feeling of the water and you want to be okay with those thoughts. Allow those thoughts to be there, but then return your attention back to the feeling. So that's one example of like how you can use these three skills at the same time. You can do that obviously with anything. Um, you just do it for one minute, 30 seconds, you know, you just start. I think that is the biggest part is just to start. And Christian, thank you so much for your time. Uh, very great conversation with you. I know we had that little hiccup there. I got a little exercise in in between. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure and I uh, look forward to keeping up with you in the future. My pleasure, my pleasure. You're doing great job. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Breathe In Air podcast. I'm so pumped to be back and continue to bring y'all great content that helps elevate your life and help you find your highest self mentally, physically, and spiritually. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts today, do me a quick favor and go hit that purple subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the updates on any of the episodes that we're dropping. Go down, scroll down. 
and go ahead and leave a comment. Let me know what you thought about this week's episode or about any of the episodes that you've listened to before. I'm always an open book and want to hear y'all's feedback. This helps the show grow along with you sharing it with someone that you think could benefit from it. So thank you all so much for listening to this week and have a great rest of your day.